It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into a special edition of the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. Talking UC Bearcats in the NCAA tournament. Ted Rendell from BearcatJournal.com, uh, just fresh back from Memphis and the American Athletic Conference tournament. Chad, before we talk um, about UC and the NCAA and just the NCAA tournament itself, Let's uh, look back a little bit at the, at the AAC championship. I think we, we talked on the last college basketball podcast that maybe the best thing for UC is, hey, just win your first-round game to solidify your seed and be done with it and get some rest. Instead, uh, they put on a pretty good display for three days, especially in a championship game against Houston. Yeah, I mean, and I think the best part about it was, I mean, obviously it was Jaron Cumberland, but there was a point um, during that game we got the, the post – the tournament uh, award nominees. We got the the email to vote on that. And at that point in time, Jaron was playing really well, but he hadn't taken over like he did in the second half. Right. I had the passing thought to vote Trey Scott MVP. And, because and of what he because right. of what he had done in all three games. Um. It was, but it was hard. <laughs> well, and then Jaron scored a hundred points. So, I, right. but the the point was. Trayvon Scott played really well. Kane Broom played really well. Justin Jennifer played really well. Nazir Brooks played really well. The only one of their main guys that's kind of scuffling a little bit now is Keith Williams. Right. And if you can get him going in the NCAA tournament, now you're really talking. I I think I stand by what I said in terms of I wouldn't have minded to see them go out on Saturday. The reason I said it was because I knew that Sunday they it, Sunday doesn't matter. Yeah, and I want to get to that too. And that's it. that was kind of the part that we talked about that win win at least that first game, right? And then solidify yeah. solidify your seven seed line, and and um, you know you probably aren't going to waver either way. And I think that's exactly exactly what ended up happening. But but I guess maybe just the confidence boost of, of beating a good team like you. So what what was the difference? I, aside from Jaron Cumberland going off and making shots, and some and the, and the other guys playing better, and Houston maybe not making some shots they did they did the. Sunday before that, what was different, if anything, other than that? Well, one, I think Armani Bro- or uh, Corey Davis was a little banged up, and that helps because he was a monster at the third arena on senior day. Yep. Um, ultimately, I think it came down to Mick Cronin making a, a coaching decision that I was really impressed with. Um, I think they got caught up on senior day in trying to take away everything. Stop the drive. Stop the, the, the stuff at the rim. Stop the three-point shot. And in and, and trying to do that, they let Houston get whatever they wanted because they were trying to be too multiple. And this time they just decided, you know what, you're not getting anything around the rim. You're not getting drives. You're not getting layups. You're not getting anything easily within 15 feet. And then we'll run out on your three-pointers and kind of hope that after three games in three days your legs were shot. And that's kind of what happened. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, Armani Brooks had a, a couple little spurts there where he knocked down some shots, but there were, what, 8 of 37, something like that? Yeah. yeah they and, and UC did exactly what they needed to do. The other huge difference was UC was fantastic on the glass. Uh, they got dominated on the glass in, the, in both games, really. And this time they really controlled the glass, did a great job, um, you know, boxing out and then not only boxing out, but then being able to go and get the ball. Um, and that's where I think Nizier Brooks and Trayvon Scott uh, really took that challenge to heart and did a great job uh, taking away what's a, a huge strength for Houston. 
All right, let's talk about the, the fact that, that Sunday really didn't matter. It sure didn't look like it, at least from a seed standpoint. UC winds up with a seven. You know, I, 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 I can make a case they can be a six. I'm sure you can, too, and, and I know UC fans are probably ang- angered at, at seven. I guess my only question is, is there, is there a four-seed line gap between Houston and UC? Probably. Okay. I mean, All if right. we're looking at the regular season, yeah, probably. I mean, they're, they're that good. No, um, no, don't get me wrong. Their body of work is is, is actually really good, and, and I think their eye, the eyeball test on them is – I would is, say a three-seed line gap because I think you, should, right. you see realistically should have been a six. I mean, they had, what, 14 quad one and two wins? Yep. That's a resume of a six. Like, yeah. Well, well but, but it goes back to this, and, and that's where the discussion continues to lie. It, it appears that, indeed, conference tournaments very, very much don't matter a ton, at least the Sunday championship games that they're almost locked in, do you say this is just a product of the way it is and will continue to play Sunday championship games? Or if you want your teams to move up, do you, do you alter the schedule to get it done by Saturday? Well, here's what drives me nuts about this whole process, Skinny, is that Friday and Saturday every year, somebody from the committee goes on TV or goes on radio or whatever the case may be, and they say – we have contingency brackets for this, right, and we right. have this and this and this in place, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then Sunday comes along, the bracket is announced, and the, the chairman of the committee comes out and says, well, things were pretty much set. Well, quit lying to us one way or the other. You're saying what you're saying on Friday and Saturday so that we'll tune in on Sunday. Yeah, probably. Probably. Quit, li- like, quit insulting our intelligence by saying one thing Friday and Saturday – and then on Sunday coming out and, and completely contradicting that once the games are played and the TV ratings are in. Yeah, I, Just I think, I, let I think us the, know. Yeah, I think the only contingency, to be quite frank, is that if Tennessee had finished off the SEC tournament, I do think they were a one seed. I think that was about the only contingency if there was one. And maybe that was, maybe that was already etched in stone that they were a two no matter what, too. So I think you're probably it, right. It just didn't seem like there was a whole lot that, that the conference tournaments mattered at the end of the day. I agree. Uh, Now let me say. I'm talking about the championships, yeah. Now let me say. I would trade what they got for a five. If if they were a five seed and you said, well, you know what, instead we're going to make you a seven and give you this situation, I would have taken that trade. So uh, the the, the six. Yeah, the one they're in now is a seven seed in Columbus. Yeah, the six line, I wouldn't have wanted to be in any of those situations. Two in Tulsa, one in Jacksonville, and one in – Hartford. Hartford. Yep. Pass. Hard pass. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's funny, and, and you look at, at, at their portion of the bracket, um, yes, Tennessee is a tough matchup, although kind of styles of player a bit similar. Um, but really, if you look at, at their portion of it to extend it out, they've got as good a chance as any. I mean, Purdue is, is always feels like it falls on itself. Yeah, Villanova knows how to win, but are they good enough this time around? The bottom line is, yeah, I mean, that second-round game is going to – the first-round game is going to be tough, although we'll make a case where I was really struggling here of late in a second. But I'm with you. I would think I'd, I'd take the Columbus trip, and I'd take the teams that are in my quad portion of it all the way to the Elite Eight and say, I'm good with this. I think we got that, a great shot. we got a great have, draw. Have you really paid attention to where they go after Columbus if they get out? Oh, yeah. No, right. They go to Louisville. Right. Yeah, I mean, two great trips. <laughs> I mean, if, if you could, here's, your, here's your path. And we knew they weren't going to be a protected seed. There's no, you know, ill-conceived notion that they were going to be. They were going to be somewhere in that five to seven range. Correct. So you give me Columbus and Louisville, sign mm-hmm. me up. 
Now, Tennessee is going to travel well. Like, let's not pretend Knoxville is 50 hours away. Like, Tennessee is going to have a good number of people in the building. But, but you will have a handful of Kentuckyish fans who I will guarantee you will root against Tennessee. That will be oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So I would take what they got. And the other huge thing is Friday. Because you're coming off three games in three days. Right. The last one being against a really physical team. Um, really all three were against teams that are pretty physical. You know, and you're in a situation where now – not only do you, like, I don't think people understand exactly how it works, but if you're a Thursday game, so UC gets home, what, 10, 11, 12 o'clock last night from Memphis. Yep. yep. Then they would have had tomorrow, and then and they leave on Tuesday. To be and then on Wednesday for the, the open practice, practice all the hubaloo, blah, 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 on Wednesday, game on Thursday. There's no time to even get any small – semblance of rest in that window. Now today you can actually do kind of a rest and recovery day. Maybe get them in for some shots, some shooting drills, just to get them on the floor and get their legs moving. But you don't have to really go full blast into Iowa yet. Um, I think that's just as big as being in Columbus. And your travel day is getting on a bus for 90 minutes. Right. You're not going to the airport flying somewhere, getting back on buses, you know, running around for, you know, five, six, seven hours. You walk out of the Linder Center, you get on a bus, you're at Nationwide Arena in 90 minutes. Like that, That in terms of being able to best prepare for the tournament, that's where it really makes a difference, getting that seven seed in Columbus and playing on Friday. Now the noon game, you know, college kids don't like playing at noon, but if you think about it for Iowa, they're playing at 11-15. Right. So all of this just lines up well for UC, at least in terms of Friday's game. No question. No question. It also lines up well because they play an Iowa team that lost five of its last six games in, in the regular season. The only win in there was an overtime win at home against Indiana. It beat Illinois in the, the second round, but their first game of the Big Ten tournament and then got blown out by Michigan. This is an Iowa team that, that was playing well at one point this year, is not playing very well right now. I, I, that's a, that's a, seems like a pretty good matchup in round number one for UC. Well, I mean, one, playing UC that first time is always brutal for teams if they don't have experience against that matchup zone. To my knowledge, Iowa doesn't have any experience against that matchup zone. And it's funny because Last year in the Cayman Islands, everybody looked at that holiday tournament as it was going to be Cincinnati and Iowa. Right. Iowa cost them themselves a chance. Like, one of the biggest things I've seen with UC in scheduling two-year contracts, the teams it's like, we'll look at Mississippi State this year, for example. Mississippi State came into or, uh, to, to BB&T Arena last year and were completely befuddled by Cincinnati's physicality one in that zone. They had no answer for it. And UC was up in that game double digits pretty much the entire game. It was never really in question. UC goes down there this year, and they were ready for it. They knew what to expect. They knew kind of how the rotations worked, what was coming at them, and they handled UC pretty handily. I mean, that was a game where they shot really well, and they were comfortably in the lead for most of the game. That second time you play them I think is a big deal. Getting them that first time 
a lot of times you're looking around going, what are we looking at? Are, are we running man offense? Are we running zone offense? How did this guy end up guarding me? Who is guarding him? What is going on? And, and I think that's going to be a big deal for an Iowa team. Yeah, they're good offensively, but they're not exactly the most physical team on the planet. And who do they have that can stop Jaron Cumberland right now? Right, right. Well, and they are good offensively at times, but they're also a team that down the stretch scored 45 against Wisconsin. And the, yeah. the Big Ten tournament scored 53 against Michigan. Um, I, I just think it's a, it's a great matchup because I think you're catching them at a, at a really, really bad time for them. Um, you know, Fran McCaffrey had the, the, the off-the-court issue with the official, and it feels like everything's kind of gone haywire for them almost since that point in time. Um, I, I think it's a great, great matchup for them in, in round one. Let's look to round two with, with Tennessee. And Tennessee has all the parts you need to win a national championship. They've got Absolutely. two two great players in, in Williams and, and Admiral Schofield, uh, a great guard in Jordan Bone, who's, who's he seems like Underrated. Game, feels like he's getting better and better and better. That said, though, I mean, from from a physicality standpoint, this is a UC team that, that does like to play physical, and it's a Tennessee team that will play physical. I think it's, it's going to be a – talk about a war. It'll, it'll be, a, it'll be a, I think, a really good matchup. And I, I, I give UC a really puncher's chance to win it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in terms of – this whole bracket is kind of slow, physical, methodical basketball. Yeah, you got Virginia and Wisconsin up above that, that'll do it. Kansas Purdue will do it. Yeah, uh, Purdue will do it. Yeah, correct. Villanova is, is more of obviously a perimeter-oriented team, but they got a couple guys that'll bang with you too. But yeah, for the most part, you know, there's six, seven of the top teams in it are, are pretty physical teams. Stylistically, it sets up about as good as you can ask for for Cincinnati. Now, Williams, I think, would be a really tough cover for them. Um, Trey Scott has really improved. But Grant Williams is very crafty and knows, you know, angles and positioning and, and really how to take advantage of you. I think that would be a big-time challenge for Trey Scott. And then with Jordan Bone, he's got that quickness and shiftiness that has given UC a lot of problems of late. Um, yeah, being able, really, For those who haven't seen him, he's really good. Being able to, to break the defense down, force them – to commit to help, and then either score for yourself or, or dish it for open shots, uh, you know, he's really good at that. And that has been kind of an Achilles heel because most of the time you've got either Game Broom or Justin Jennifer at the top of that defense. And while they're giving you a lot right now, they're not exactly, you know, elite-level athletes in order to be in stay, able to stay in front of Jordan Bone. So I think that would present – uh, some issues, but Tennessee's not going to punk Cincinnati. And that's that's kind of most of the time that's how they rely on winning. And we go back to that first Kentucky game. Kentucky just beat the hell out of them. Yeah, they, they punked them that night. Yeah. So I think that's a game Cincinnati could keep close, and they're 11-2 and two in games decided by five points or less. Like, this team is as experienced as anyone in the country in getting games into the crunch time and then having a couple guys that can make plays to win. Um, they're not going to run away from Tennessee like Auburn did. They're not going to out-athlete Tennessee like we've seen a couple teams do. But I do think they can play right with them physically, and, and hopefully you, if you get to that game, you're tied with five minutes left and flip the coin and see how it goes. Well, I can feel, and at that point, maybe Tennessee feels the pressure of being a two seed. Oh, God, yeah. we're supposed to win this game, and now we're in a dogfight. And, and Absolutely. That happened, for goodness sakes. Right, let's take a look I saw it happen last year. 
don't want to talk yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, by a team, uh, a team in Nashville. Actually, two teams in Nashville. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> uh, let's look at the rest of the tournament. Um, we'll start in the East, where it, it's hard to make a case for anybody other than Duke. I'm not here to tell you that a team like a Michigan State can't win it, or even, a, believe it or not, a Virginia Tech can't win it because they're getting a quality player back. But it just really feels like that's more Dukes to lose than anybody else's to win in the East. I mean, they're they're pretty clearly the best team in the country. Like I, I don't think that that's even remotely in question. And I also, I mean, I thought they, I think they got a fair shake in the, a real fair shake in the bracket. Don't here's, and I saw this mentioned on Twitter today. And I guess and it really, LSU too, but I still wonder if, if if LSU puts the pieces together in the tournament with all that's going on with them. God, they're so talented though. They're really good. Yes, they are. They're so talented though. But it, it, here's the number one thing I want to see out of the East. I want to see Zion try to dunk on Taco. Uh, that, that, we, that that could be a potential poster. I mean, that really and truly could be a potential poster. Because that, that's you, where if, if you're photographers and you want to get the money shot, you you have something something set up on both ends of the floor that will capture the moment where that's going to happen. Because I'm telling you right now, that is going to happen. I, because you know he's going to to try to climb that mountain. Correct, and you know that every chance he gets, challenge it, right? Yeah, that's what he does. No, yeah, no, there, there is no question. That would be for those a round two game, and, and UCF would have to beat VCU first, which I, I think UCF, I think UCF will, especially depending on the injury situation with the VCU. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I think that that would be the one where you've got a potential great poster. And you know what? If I'm Coach K, I might even run a set right off the bat and say, just go to the rim, and I don't care what happens. Where you're, you're going to set a tone against him and them, and we'll call it a day. Yeah, just dunk right, bang, and then right the whole. I, that would be the like that would be in one shining moment. That would be like the play of the tournament. No doubt, there is absolutely no no question about it. Um, to the bottom part there, the West. That's the one to me that's the most interesting because I could make a case for so many different teams. Although you know, I I, I did that whatever it was a year or two ago, and Gonzaga ran through it, got to the final four. I I kept doubting them and doubting them, and I'm probably going to be wrong again. They are the one seed there, but. Michigan and and, and uh, I'm not sold completely on the three seed in Texas Tech, but I love Buffalo and they got, Texas State Tech has a great year. player. No doubt, no, no. They're, and that's and they made the Elite Eight last year too. So it's not a team that that suddenly has come out of nowhere. But I'm just I'm not sold on their offensive metrics. But yeah, they they're they're very very good. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Nevada's got those guys back from last year's run, right? I mean, they could make a run through through this thing. I just like the West. The West to me was the most wide open um, of all of them because of so many. I mean, Marquette can get guys hot. I got you know, Florida State last year in, in his quality team. I mean, they're right toe to toe on a neutral floor with, with Duke the other night. Um, that just felt like to me the one that wow, that is that, there's a lot of teams that can come out of the West. That might be the that's the matchup of the first round. Marcus Howard and John Moran. Yeah, the five twelve game Marquette Murray for sure. That like that is must see television. And that's that that I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tear down the fourth wall for a minute. That's the reason I kind of hate being covering tournament games. Is not being able to watch that, that kind of a matchup, yes. Well, like Thursday, I'm going to have to go up to Columbus, cover the media session, open locker rooms, cover the open practice, you know, do all of that stuff. Uh, I did get a hotel room for Thursday since they're playing at noon on Friday. My guess is I'll go back to the hotel and work and have the games on, maybe have a pop or two. Um, and then, but Friday, I'm going to be working from the, the tip off of the first game, at least through the first session, and then drive back from Columbus. Like, I might get settled in by 
the second session of night games on Friday, or the, the right. first session of night games on Friday. And that's really all I'm going to get to watch. And you really feel disconnected from the turn. And you know this, you've done it many times. You really feel like, like when you sit down and you finally get to watch some games, you have no idea like what has gone on around the country. Yeah, I mean, you, there's usually a monitor on in the workroom, and you can yeah, but every once in a while, but you don't get a check, full you don't, for it. You no know how question. we are. We like to watch the game. Like, yeah, no doubt, right. It, and you, it, it, you don't feel like you get to do any of that. It, 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 it's, that's the part that – if there's any part of this I don't like, it's that I, I don't get to be a fan of the tournament when I'm covering UC games uh, at whatever location that they're at. But other than that – it's it's phenomenal, but John Morant, Marcus Howard, oh, that's going to be so much fun. Yeah, I think you're going to get lucky because usually the way the media sessions go, because you see the twelve fifteen game, I they'll think be first. Be, yeah, they'll be first. You can get that out of the way, and that tip off of the Murray game that day is four thirty. So you, I think you get a chance for the second half, maybe. Yeah, I, hopefully I'll be able to to get situated and settled in. I'm staying like five miles from Nationwide. Yeah, there you go. Um, you know. I think I should be able to, but it is one of those situations where it's just like, damn it, I really want to watch this game, and I, I wanted to see that game, and you try to catch as much as you can, but uh, it's not nearly as uh, it's not nearly as fun as sitting around with like three TVs loaded up, um, flipping through some channels and taking in all the games, and you feel like you know you really know everything. Not to take us on a tangent, but to pull the, the curtain back for people at home that are like, man, that must be awesome covering the tournament. It is, without question. But you do have that sense of by the time you get to, like, Saturday, you're like, who's in the round of 32? Yeah, right. Other, other than the quadrant that you're at, you can figure out those yeah. teams because you get a chance to figure out what's going on at the, the place you're at. Um, let's look at the Midwest. Um, Kentucky's the two seed there. Carolina's the one seed. Do they feel destined to meet? Um, you know, you can make a case in round two. The Seton Hall Wofford winner, their styles of play could give Kentucky troubles. Houston, Houston could give Kentucky troubles. I don't see. Uh, well, uh, then go back to the top. Auburn could give Carolina troubles. Uh, yeah. Auburn could also lose Boy. the first round game. I mean, Auburn's the goofiest team going, but they're good enough, as we've seen at the start of the year and obviously the last couple of weeks, to beat teams and beat quality teams. Um, but does it? it does it feel Carolina, Kentucky, or are there, are there enough teams in there that can make it a, a, a you know a, a five ten matchup in the regional final? I mean, ultimately, yeah, I think Carolina and Kentucky have shown that they're they're two of the probably four or five best teams in the country. Um, so you feel like it, it's destined for that. But I mean, Auburn, Carolina could be one thirty, one twenty eight because both of those teams are just looking to get the ball up on the rim as fast as humanly possible. Um, that would be an, an insanely fun game. But um, Houston-Kentucky, I think, would be really interesting, especially if Houston is playing at the top of their game because they do have the ability to spread you out and, and really shoot it from the perimeter with Brooks and Davis. Hinton can be Kentucky hot and downfall. cold, and that's that's been Kentucky's downfall. Um, Houston is not looking to play into Kentucky's strength, which is – right at the rim size and strength and physicality at the rim um houston's not looking to do that their center basically their center position is just 15 fouls uh and and that's how they use them and they they just bang on you and they foul you but they're not throwing the ball to those guys in any way shape or form and a lot of times they're going basically four guards with brooks davis hinton and jerrell 
Uh, I think that could give Kentucky some fits. And what people don't talk about with Houston is they're elite defensively. You know, they're right there in the top 20, top 10 pretty much you know, consistently now under Kelvin Sampson. Um, I think that could be a really good game. I'm not as much worried about Seton Hall, like especially if it's Seton Hall. They beat Kentucky once. They're not sneaking up on him. Miles Powell is not sneaking up on Kentucky a second time around. Well, and he 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 made some insanely great shots in that. First He's a monster. He's a monster. Um, but Kentucky is well aware of his ability going into that that second meeting. If they played, Wofford could give them some trouble because Wofford is another team that can spread you out and really beat you with the pass and the open shot. Um, I think that could be interesting, but I, I still would take you know, Kentucky by a pretty sizable margin. Um, I would say, yeah, North Carolina and Kentucky, but I do think there would be a couple games along the way that if they came to fruition could be, you know, potential tripping points. But I I still think those two teams are are, are a step, maybe a step and a half above the rest of this bracket. All right, let's circle back to the south, which is UC's region. Uh, it, you know, people are going to continue to not make a case for Virginia, and understandably so, based on last year and based on the last few years' of style of play. But if you look at what, if you look at the way the the bracket panned out for them, I don't think Mississippi or Oklahoma are good enough to beat Virginia. And then you get to the style of play of either Kansas State or Wisconsin, in all likelihood, in a regional semifinal game. It's That's Virginia's style of play. play. Virginia's right. so, is better at it. Yeah, it, it almost feels like they've got, for, for once, a chance to at least get to the Elite Eight with their style of play. And then who knows what's there, because it could be UC or Tennessee, for goodness sake, or Purdue with similar or, style of play. Or <laughs> Villanova. Like, the, the one thing I will say, I, you can't count out Villanova. No, correct. Because you can't count out teams that have that level of experience, knowing how to advance – in each two-game weekend. Situation, yeah. Get the and, first and, one. And, and dudes that can play. Right, dudes that can play, and they know the routine after they get that first one, how to prepare for the second one, and to be at the top of their game for that. I, I think that's that's what gets a lot of teams until you have that experience, until you've had your guys, everybody, pretty much everybody on your team has gone through it, how to be at the, the top of your game only having one day to prepare, no time really to rest and recover because you've got to practice, got to watch film, you got to do all that stuff to get ready for the next game a day, you know, 24 hours, 36 hours after your last one. Um, that makes them dangerous. And especially, I can't see St. Mary's beating them. And I, I would take Villanova over Purdue. I would too. And that puts Villanova in the Sweet 16. And that make you know that puts them two wins from another Final Four. Do I think they make another Final Four? No, probably not. But I will also say what we talked about in this bracket, how it's kind of that slow down, methodical tempo bracket. What happens on slow down, methodical tempo teams traditionally in the NCAA tournament? Does somebody make shots against them? They struggle to advance. Yeah, consistently. This could, if I was looking at a bracket that could turn upside down, this has to be it, right? Because this is the teams that are going to allow opponents, maybe lesser opponents, to, to be around. to be down seven with six minutes left and get hot for six minutes. So I, I think it makes sense that if you're looking for a bracket now, the West I think could get pretty wild too because I think it's just even. 
but I think stylistically, you look at, at the at the South and you say, man, this thing could go, this thing could go crazy haywire in a hurry. It won't go. It won't go haywire with Virginia and Gardner Webb. I, I will. I will make that bold prediction now. It's not happening in a second. You're, you're going out on that limb, huh? I'm going to go out on that limb. Could I, I you feel, imagine? I, feel pretty safe. I couldn't. I couldn't imagine if I was. I, no, I could not. I could not. He'd have to. I, he'd have to leave, right? He'd have I, to take another yeah. job. There's no question. You just you you would have to. You I can't recover two, from that. No, not 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 one sixteen in back to back years. I'm going to give you two prop bets. Prop bet number one: Duke versus the field. Then you have to you take got. the field. Okay, I, fair enough. The only reason I say that is we've seen them, even at full strength, be a little bit vulnerable at times, a just little, because they don't a little, they don't a shoot the three ball consistently well. So over six games, the odds that somebody is going to catch them on a night where they shoot twenty two percent from three is pretty high. Now they can still win that game, but that at least makes it a toss-up. Um, I, I struggle with that because I do think they are by far the best best team in the field. Like, if you're if you're getting, putting percentages on who's going to win, I would probably have them higher than anybody else by 10%. But if... The field's too inviting to you. Is what you're the, field is, the field is too inviting, and I'm a bad gambler. Like, I'm not good at gambling. That's why I don't do it. So I think I would take the safe play and just say, give me the other 67. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. All right, now the next one is Duke, Virginia, Gonzaga, Carolina, Kentucky versus the field. I'll take them. I think somebody in that five probably wins. That would be a a, a lot tougher decision. But if not Duke, I, I would go North Carolina or Kentucky, whoever comes right. out of that Midwest regional. Um, so I, I would take those five. Okay, that, that, that's kind of the that's kind of the way I was thinking. But I wanted to get get your take on. It. Hey, lastly, I did see a picture of you. You got a piece of the net from the uh, American Athletic Conference championship. Now you didn't wear it very well. I'm not sure you wear the net on your. Well, the problem was I didn't get a straight piece of that. But, but why ear? I mean, could you? Could you I mean, that's just where it fit. Okay. I didn't have anywhere else I could put it, so I just I was carrying it around in my ear. Well, I think, well, couldn't you have just held it up and taken the photo with it just being held up? No. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could, but I, you know, whatever. What are we going to do with the net moving forward? Put it on a screen? I don't know. Somebody just tossed it to me. I was standing there. I, I was doing live periscopes of everything, and it was after they had cut the net, like the team and everybody had gone up and cut the long strands. Right, right. And then when they they you know when they run out of room, you just have the bottom like two sections of that, and somebody was cutting all the pieces of that up to give to you know whoever was standing around, and somebody just tossed me a piece, and I was like, oh hey thanks, I got some net. Good stuff, man. Good so stuff. I just tossed it behind my ear. Uh, yeah, it just it was. And, it was and by the way, it looked, it looked like you cut your ear and you had some gauze on it or something. Like that. <laughs> by the way, Brewing's full of crap. If somebody gave him the net. The NKU had cut down. He 100% would have kept it. I'll have to ask him that. I think you're probably right, but I will have to ask him that. In fact, maybe, maybe well, Sunday if, if you, you may not be back again on Sunday, but Sunday if you're back. Well, I'm hoping. I'm hoping, and this this has changed before, but UC has a CBS crew for Friday. So they maybe have the early game. Well, there's Sunday. three there's three three CBS time slots on Sunday. There's what like 12:15. Yeah, the early one, then, then yeah, and yeah, then two, 
and then like four thirty or whatever. Yeah, something like that. That sounds about right. Um now they have they have switched to where the Friday game was on CBS and then the Sunday game was on TNT or whatever. Um but I'm hoping with Allie LaForce and the A C B S crew calling that first game and if it is Cincinnati, Tennessee, that's a CBS game, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would absolutely think that's a CBS game. So I'm hoping because the last two times I've covered UC, they have ended up playing in that last time slot, 10 p.m. tip on Sunday night. Or no, last year it was was the, well, the first the game. Yeah, they were next to last time slot. Yeah, they, they yeah. Were the next to last and, time and Xavier was the last was game. The last. Yep, exactly. But playing in that last pod on Sunday night is just brutal. Less so now in Columbus because that's you know only an hour and a half drive home. Skinny, one of the worst moments of my professional career was that five-hour drive home from Nashville last year. Oh, I know. You lamented it the whole time. There's no doubt. I was with my guy, Berg, and you know Berg. He he takes losses pretty hard. And it was about as dead silent of a five-hour car ride as you've ever imagined in your entire life. Was there a word spoken at all? A few words. Not many words. And most of them were curse words, probably, correct? Yeah. There was only – there was a five-minute, like – Sigh of relief. I, I, my phone, I, I meant to charge my phone the second half of the UC Nevada game, and I forgot. So my phone was almost completely empty. And I, I just quit looking at it, riding in complete silence. The last time I looked at it, Xavier was up 10 with, like, nine minutes left. I was like, great. This day is absolutely terrible. So you couldn't and even then, bring yourself to listen to games on the way home? Oh no, Berg, Berg! I was in Berg's car. That's <laughs> taking it pretty hard. I he would have to have at least have something at least listen to the games on the way home. He there was there was music, very very low, like funeral music going yeah. on in the background, and then I get the do 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 do. So I turned my phone over and I clicked on the thing, and it said Florida State beat Xavier. Then I smacked him. I said, Oh my God. He said, no, they didn't. I said, they did. And then we were okay for like four minutes, and then it was back to miserable. Yeah, for a minute, <laughs> misery, misery, misery love company for a minute. Yeah, exactly. Until hey, they're, they're your... just as miserable as we are. Great. Until you went, until you went back to your own self-induced misery. <laughs> exactly. But that was, that was, that was, a, that was a, a, as brutal a car ride as you can ever imagine, my friends. All right, brother. I appreciate the time. Uh, enjoy Columbus, and uh, we will talk uh, either Sunday or Monday. Are you coming up? Monday. I am not coming up to do a couple of uh, high school games. I have Moeller to do on Friday and maybe Saturday. Well, that's a cakewalk, right? It could be. It could be. I don't. I, I don't count chickens. They've won forty-seven in a row. <laughs> that's it's pretty strong in high school that's basketball. Good. That's pretty. That's, good. That's, it's pretty strong. It's a pretty good run, for goodness' sakes. Well, maybe right, maybe maybe we'll run into each other in Columbus and have a pop. It's possible. It's possible. All right. If not, we will talk again. Sounds good. Hi, it's Chad Brendel for Bearcat Journal. I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the UC Basketball NCAA Tournament Edition, presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati.